Have you been recording this entire conversation? It's just a have. I'm not going to show it to anyone. It's just a have. What does that mean? It's just so I can have it. Patrick, repeat after me. I will not. That is not even a secret. Tell anyone. Why do you care so much? What Emily told me. So if someone asks, I have to lie to them? You're asking me to be a liar now no, for the rest of my life? I just have to be a liar for the rest of my life? I'm not Welcome to another episode of Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and this week I'm going to discuss video conferencing and the risks associated with it. With more and more people working and schooling from home and depending on video conferencing to get their work done and stay in touch with friends and family, protecting privacy shouldn't take a back seat. I'll discuss reports that Zoom has compromised users and has routed traffic through China. We'll discuss alternatives to Zoom and more this week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. So that sound clip at the beginning was from a YouTube video from College Humor. I'll put a link in the show notes for attribution. Uh, the language is a little strong in this video uh, in the parts that I did not play. So be forewarned uh, of the, the strong language. Okay. So um, the reason I chose that video clip is because it's all about someone recording a conversation that they weren't supposed to record. Now, the difference here is that that person was a part of that conversation uh, but when we're using video conferencing apps, the assumption is that I am having a conversation with you and with, say, three or four or 10 or 12 other people, and only the people that are part of that conversation have access to that conversation. That's the assumption. The reality might be very, very different. If you're using something like Skype, uh, Skype is owned by Microsoft. If you're using Google Hangouts, uh, well, that's owned by Google. It's a foregone conclusion that they are harvesting your data. One of the biggest players in the field right now is Zoom. Zoom has really come on strong in the last few weeks because of the whole COVID thing. And uh, I'm going to, like I say, we're going to discuss reports that they have been routing traffic through servers in China and that they have compromised user data. I'm also going to recommend a suggestion for a replacement to Zoom if you're currently using Zoom. Now remember, Enemy of the Surveillance State is listener supported. I do not take funding from any advertisers or any businesses. If I recommend a tool, it's because I use it and trust it, not because someone paid me to say that. If you would like to become a supporter of Enemy of the Surveillance State, check out the Patreon page. I'll put a link in the show notes. That address is patreon.com forward slash enemy of surveillance. You can support for as little as $5 a month or as much as you'd like. I've also launched a line of merchandise at Teespring. I'll put that link in the show notes as well so that you can support the show and show the world that you're an enemy of the surveillance state with really cool t-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, hoodies, that kind of thing. Let me say this. I've said it before, but I need to say it probably every time until this whole COVID thing is over. If you're laid off or otherwise feeling a financial impact because of the COVID-19 shutdown, Please know that the only support that I ask you for is to subscribe to the show, like and share and comment on episodes, and give the show a good rating on the platform where you listen. 
On that note, I want to say a big thank you to the very first patron ever who signed up just last week. He asked that I only thank him by using his first name. So Jonathan, you know who you are, brother. Thank you. God bless you. I really do appreciate your support. Now, on to the topic for this week. Like I say, with millions and millions of people right now staying home and relying on video conferencing for work and school and social life, Zoom has really come in strong over the last few weeks, uh, taking on millions of new customers. They've grown very, very quickly. The problem is, given their record and reports of them recently, they should be avoided like the plague. And yes, that pun was intended. Reports over the last couple weeks alone show that Zoom has substandard encryption and lousy security. In fact, they were discovered to be routing traffic through servers in China. Now, they claimed in um, response after response to these reports that routing traffic through China was a mistake. They don't know how it happened. It was inadvertent. It was an error. But the evidence seems to say something else. I'm going to list the links for all of these articles that I'm about to mention in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. Uh, We'll start with Forbes. Forbes reported that Zoom handles user data in China, according to researchers. That information on occasion also includes encryption keys, the chunks of data that can unlock conversations, even if the participants aren't based in China. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're in China or if you're in Bangladesh or if you're right here in the United States, there's a good chance that your conversation and the encryption keys that lock it and can be used to unlock it were routed through servers in China. Now, is there any chance at all that those Chinese servers just stored that data never to look at it? Not likely. Given how much effort China has put into hacking the United States in the last 10 years at least... Uh, It's a foregone conclusion that they're hanging on to that data and that they will use it against us if they ever can. And they will be able to. It's just a matter of time. Just wait and see. It'll come back to haunt us. Zoom's chief executive, Eric Yuan, said the company was going to check into how the routing happened through servers in China, but claimed that the data was protected. He he protested greatly that they, they go to great lengths to keep everyone's data safe. Well, That also turns out probably not to be true. The research that the Forbes piece mentioned was conducted by a group called Citizen Lab. It's based out of the University of Toronto. ZDNet reported that that Citizen Lab found Zoom was lying about the encryption that they use. They claim on their website that they're using the stronger version, AES-256 encryption standard, but in actuality they were using AES-128, which is a weaker encryption standard. It gets even worse than that, though, because not only were they lying about the encryption they were using, but they messed with the standard and created a vulnerability. So uh, The Intercept reported that besides that substandard encryption, they tweaked the standard, creating at least one major vulnerability. And while Zoom claims that reporting the traffic through China was an error, The Intercept also reported that Zoom appears to have at least 700 employees in China spread across three subsidiaries. So here we have a company with employees in China, with a relationship with China, okay, that is lying about the encryption that they're using and furthermore tweaking that encryption 
creating a vulnerability in the process. Now, this brings up the question, why even mess with the encryption standard? First, why not just use AES-256, which is what they said they were using? Why use AES-128 if you're going to use AES-256? Now, I get that AES-128 might be a simpler standard to apply, but why claim you're using one standard when in reality you're using another? And then why tweak an established encryption standard for your own purposes and in the process create a vulnerability and then route that traffic through China where you have at least 700 employees spread across three subsidiaries. Worse still, though, the Citizen Lab report also states that Zoom service is, quote, not suited for secrets and that the company may be legally obligated to disclose encryption keys to Chinese authorities and that the company is, quote, responsive to pressure, end quote, from Chinese authorities. Now, to top all of that off, another report, this one from Bleeping Computer, says that more than 500,000 usernames and passwords for Zoom accounts were harvested from their servers and are being sold on the dark web and hacker forums for less than a penny each. And in some cases, hackers are trading these back and forth for free. Now, if you, there's a chance that you are among that half a million users who had your credentials stolen and sold on the web. Now, here's what that would mean. That would mean that someone could go online and purchase your username and password, log into your account, see your history. They could even log in and pretend to be you and contact other people. Saying that, they didn't know this was happening is not good enough. If they had had the proper standards and the proper protocols in place, this would not have happened. Saying that they didn't mean to route traffic through Chinese servers is not good enough. Saying that they're using one encryption standard when they're really using a weaker version that they've tweaked and made even weaker is a bridge too far. So given all of this, the real question I think everybody should be asking right now is what person, what company, what school, what organization in their right mind would continue to use Zoom? I know I wouldn't. Now, I didn't use Zoom before this. There have been occasional times when people have said, hey, man, uh, let's do this web conference or whatever. And I'm like, sure, how are we doing that? Well, we're going to use Zoom. And I go, well, I don't like it, but okay, fine. Now, my dislike of Zoom before this was just a matter of the platform and the fact that it's not open source software. I always prefer, especially for communications, if there's an op if there's an open source alternative, I always prefer that. But you know, you don't want to be the one guy who's being really hard to get along with. And somebody says, "Well, look, man, I use Zoom. I've already got it all set up. We're all going to be in the Zoom meeting, and we need you to join us." Fine, I would join them. I will tell you after these reports, if somebody reaches out to me and says, "Mitch, we're doing a Zoom meeting," I'm going to say, "Well, I'm not going to be a part of that." Given their history, given their background, given these weaknesses and this big, what ought to be a scandal, this ought to be front page above the fold on every newspaper, I will not use Zoom services. Instead, I will give them alternatives and say, look, if we can use this, I'll be a part of your meeting. If we can't use this, I will not be a part of your meeting. Okay. And there are alternatives. And no, I don't mean Skype, which is owned by Microsoft that has a terrible record for harvesting user data. I don't mean Google Hangouts that's owned by a company that is nothing but a data harvesting company. I don't mean any of the other big tech controlled proprietary code spyware apps masquerading as video conferencing apps. For my personal use, I prefer Jitsi. 
I've used it for ages. I really enjoy it. It's simple. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's meet.jit.si. Jitsi is an open source, end-to-end encrypted, simple-to-use video conferencing app. No one can steal your login credentials because you don't even need login credentials. It runs in the browser, so there's nothing to install on your computer if you choose not to. You simply create a meeting online and use it. When you're finished using it, that meeting goes away as if it never existed. Like I say, it runs in the browser, but they do, for convenience sake, they did create an iPhone app and an Android app. You can use those, but you don't have to. You can simply open this in the browser, create a meeting room, send that link to your friends or your coworkers and invite them to your meeting, host your meeting. You can share your screen with people. Uh, You can hear each other and see each other. They even provide a phone number if somebody needs to join in but doesn't have access to a computer at the time and doesn't have the app on their phone. Now, I reached out to Jitsi. I didn't get a response before recording this episode, but I feel comfortable enough using the service. Let me say this. If that changes, I'll let you know. If I discover something about Jitsi or something doesn't smell right or there's some big report of something, I will update this episode or do a new episode to address that issue. Right now, I'll say this. It is certain that Jitsi is a better choice than Zoom or any of the other big offerings by Big Tech. Why don't you all check it out and let me know what you think. Uh, you can leave a, a comment in the on the show or reach out to me at Enemy of Surveillance at protonmail.com. Uh, I plan to use Jitsi for a future episode when I'm going to do a call in show for Enemy of the Surveillance State and invite listeners to join in and uh, ask your questions, that kind of thing. I won't be able to do that until the show has grown a little more and has a few more patrons, but that is something I plan to do for the future. I haven't worked out all the details yet, but I will. Let me know what you think of that idea. Now, I'm going to close on that note, but remember to check out the Patreon page and the merchandise line. I'll leave links in the show notes. Enemy of the Surveillance State is created, narrated, and hosted by me, C. Mitchell Shaw. Original music score was created by Mike Levitt. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to reach out to Mike and find out what he can do for you. Now, he doesn't pay me to do that. I just got to know Mike really, really well after he created what I think is the coolest theme music for any podcast ever. I hope you like the theme music. Uh, But I've gotten to know Mike really, really well over the last couple of months since we've been uh, hanging out together a little bit online and no, not on Zoom. And I just want to kind of throw him some support and say, hey, man, you, you made me a great song for my show. Maybe some of my listeners need music for something. I know he does wedding music and that kind of thing. So really, really cool. There'll be a link in the show notes. So thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode I'll catch you again next week for another episode of Enemy of the Surveillance State.